1: Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, we have uh, Dr. Rafael Villacana. He's the the Transplant Nephrologist Medical Director at Loma Linda Medical Center. And we're going to be talking a little bit about preemptive kidney transplant so we can all know the scoop. So welcome to the show, Dr. Villacana.
0: Hi, Lori. Thanks for inviting me. Great to be back.
1: So tell us a little bit, what is a preemptive kidney transplant? Because I think a lot of people aren't familiar with that term.
0: Absolutely. So preemptive kidney transplant is when a transplant occurs before someone actually starts dialysis. Many people believe that you can't get on the kidney list or get a transplant unless you're actually already on dialysis, which is not the case and which is why we're talking about this today.
1: So how do you get a preemptive kidney transplant if you know you have kidney disease and when are you able to do that?
0: The first step would be to get a referral from hopefully the nephrologist, who sends someone to the transplant center. At the transplant center is where we actually bring up the possibility of having a preemptive uh, transplant, mainly by asking if someone has living donors. Uh, That's the fastest way to get a transplant, as you know, and uh, a way where you could actually avoid dialysis or minimize your time on dialysis. In terms of who's actually eligible for it, you you have to have a certain level of kidney function that... uh, that, that meets criteria. If not, then I guess just about anyone can have a transplant regardless of kidney function, but basically you have to have a, a kidney function um, level, a GFR below uh, 20.
1: And that's basically the GFR 20 is the United Network for Organ Sharing's guidelines about when somebody can be transplanted because you have to get on the national kidney transplant list to be able to get a preemptive kidney transplant. Is is that correct? Like I used, I didn't know that. I'm like, well, I have a living donor. Why do I need to get on the list? But I guess you need to for insurance purposes and I guess they track you and all that good stuff. That's correct. <laughs> I know it's always interesting to learn how things work because uh, it took me a while to be able to get on the UNOS you know, donor list to be able to get the living donor list, and it's it's just a different entity.
0: Take some time, as you as you mentioned, unfortunately.
1: You know, because you basically, I I show up with you, you know, I'm like, you're my transplant doctor, my GFR is 19. Well, here I have a living donor, we know they're a match, why can't we do it next week? (laughs) And you're like, well, uh, it's just a little bit longer than that. And um, I guess you have to qualify for the national transplant list. So... Um, One of the things that's interesting that I think people don't understand is the testing involved for a preemptive kidney transplant. You still have to go through all the same testing as you would for an actual transplant, which takes time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, one does need to have the the same type of uh, testing, whether or not it's going to be preemptive. And uh, that would usually mean some heart testing, uh, maybe a colonoscopy if uh, one meets certain age criteria. Another uh testing that, that everyone needs anyways. So it does take a little bit of time. Hopefully, usually the center is, is alerted to the possibility of a preemptive uh, uh, transplant situation, and we try to expedite things as much as uh, we can. But you're right, there is still a lot of testing to be done on both sides, not just the person that wants to receive the preemptive kidney transplant, but also their donor.
1: Well, and when you get listed with a GFR of 20, when you qualify for the UNOS transplant list, you actually are accruing time on the list in addition. So if you're waiting for a transplant, because most preemptive kidney transplants come from living donors, is that correct?
0: Yes, the majority of preemptive uh, transplants do come from living donors, although I have seen a few scenarios over the years where someone did get a kidney from the wait list preemptively before even uh, uh, starting dialysis. Um, But let me... uh, let me walk back a little bit in terms of we've been discussing the, the 20 uh, GFR, and just to kind of give a, an idea of when things happen. So, basically, as you mentioned, to be on the list, you need a GFR of 20 or lower to be able to accrue uh, wait time. When people start dialysis, it's roughly around 10 or lower, although there's a little bit of a variation. So, I just kind of wanted to put that in perspective uh, in, in terms of people might be wondering, well, okay, 20 is to get on the list at what point does one need to start dialysis or does that happen. And that's a kind of a personal uh, situation with the the person who's having a kidney issue along with their uh, medical team. But in general, it's around a a 10 GFR or lower.
1: Well, and I think the reason that that's a great point is because if you have a 2019 GFR and you're like, okay, I want to transplant tomorrow, you could be fine with that GFR for another five years And, you know, hypothetically, I mean, I'm just not always or two to three years, which would then prevent you from having to take any type of immunosuppressant medication from the transplant. So it's kind of like, you know, threading a needle. You don't want to wait too long, but you don't want to, you know, have the transplant too soon because your body is still performing and keeping your blood clean enough to 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 live. Is that is that kind of what the what the reasoning is? Is because you don't want to be transplanted too soon.
0: There is a little bit to that, and that was a, that was a great summary. Uh, some of that's a little bit personal. There are certain biases, uh, like anything in terms of the, the medical team, and in general, it's, we do want to try to avoid dialysis at all costs, if possible, uh, for many many reasons. But as you mentioned, if you start the clock a little too soon on taking anti-rejection medicines, which are basically for the life of the transplant, and those have their own side effects and issues. I also uh, tend to agree with you in terms of you want to kind of not jump the gun too soon for those reasons, but also you don't want to wait too, too much be- before people start talking about dialysis and all the things that that entails, which includes uh, vascular access, catheters, fistulas, all those things that one would rather not uh, have to deal with.
1: And, you know, because of all of those other very invasive procedures, uh, getting a preemptive kidney transplant is actually better. They have better outcomes, don't they?
0: They do, and uh, mainly because someone is uh, able to avoid or minimize their time on dialysis, which uh, goes a long way in in, uh, preserving one's health. So, yes, you're right. A preemptive uh, living donor kidney transplant is typically superior to just about any other option that we could offer,
1: and one of the things that you know you brought up a little bit earlier, and I this is this is frustrating for me because I hear it a lot, and I hear patients say, "Oh, my nephrologist said go on dialysis for a while, and then I can go get referred for a kidney transplant," and <laughs> that's not exactly the right answer, I would say, in my opinion. But uh, can you explain a little bit about um, you know you could. Patients can just call you directly or call a transplant center directly and make an appointment. Do they absolutely need their nephrologist to refer them?
0: You're right. One could self-refer, and sometimes I I get referrals from general physicians. So it doesn't have to be a nephrologist, although it's most uh, helpful um, for having a long-term relationship with uh, all parts of the medical team. But uh, going back to your uh, comment about maybe it's better to start dialysis and then we can refer you, you mentioned earlier that one of the benefits of preemptive listing is actually accruing wait time, because you can actually accrue wait time on the, on the kidney wait list, even though you're not on dialysis. I have met numerous people who had a GFR that met criteria to be on the list, but then actually they either stabilized for many, many years and, and didn't uh, progress, or maybe improved a little bit, not requiring uh, a transplant, but at least they're building time and priority, which is always uh, key.
1: And, you know, then they get to a point where they need dialysis and they have like in Los Angeles is like an 8 to 10 year wait list. It's interesting because they accrued all this time when they weren't on dialysis. So they don't have that long of wait time when they go on dialysis. And
0: That's that's absolutely correct. And that's (laughs) one of the the, some of the times that I have seen someone get a preemptive deceased donor kidney, not a living donor, but a, a kidney from the wait list because they've been on the wait list so long and they never went on dialysis thankfully, and so they were able to get the call before that ever happened.
1: Well, another thing that to get a preemptive kidney transplant, one option, and if you could explain how your transplant center works, but when you get a, a viable kidney that's coming to your center and you call pers- uh, you call different people on the list, first, second, and third, and you do that, right, because you have the kidney coming to Loma Linda and you expect to give it to person A. But if something happens to person A and they're not able to get the kidney, it goes down the line to the people at the center. Is that correct?
0: Actually, uh, partially correct. It, uh, it would go um, to the list in, in our region or our OPO, which is uh, one legacy in our instance. So they would um, make up the, the backup list. So if person A is not able to uh, receive it, and they happen to be here at our center, and sometimes person B could be at a different center, maybe 50 miles away. Or by chance, we could also have person B listed at our center. So it just depends.
1: Okay. So I guess in smaller regions, they don't have the option of a kidney going to a location where a transplant center is not so close. So they sometimes go to the second person at the hospital or that's in the area that may jump the list a little bit. Is, is that a fair summary? So the kidney doesn't get wasted because they can't ship it back out or they can't, um, they look for that backup.
0: Well, absolutely. You usually have to back up every uh, kidney that's coming to uh, a center. And as you mentioned, uh, everyone wants to avoid any organ being wasted. So for that reason, as you mentioned, there is a backup list that is generated. Sometimes it's uh, people on that backup list are at that very same transplant center or sometimes they're at another center that's close by. But you're right, there's a lot of um, maneuvers that we try to do to absolutely avoid any wasting of organs, especially in this day and age.
1: Well, and I like to give people hope that because they're like, well, we have an 8 to 10 wait list, and I'm like, you know what? You could get a call because you could be a backup. And then you end up getting the kidney because, unfortunately, the person who it was scheduled for wasn't able to get it. They may have had a cold or a virus or something. And um, you know, <laughs> don't give up hope. I try to give people hope because you know they feel like wow, eight to ten wait list, and and uh, you know, how am I gonna how am I gonna survive that long on dialysis? So uh, it's good to know the options. But I, I think more importantly, um, luckily we're bringing more awareness to chronic kidney disease. And people should be aware of their GFR, and if they're getting close to anywhere a GFR of 20, they should definitely ask to see a transplant doctor to get
0: listed. Absolutely. And just uh, expanding on your last uh, thought about the wait list being as long as it is, and unfortunately that's the case, that's why we do try to promote uh, living kidney donation if possible. And um, and uh, there's other ways to get a deceased donor uh, kidney That maybe is a bit unexpected. Two examples include what is known as the perfect match or the zero mismatch Mm -hmm. uh, deceased donor offer. And then there's also a second option where it's not that uncommon for people who actually direct a donor that passed away to someone that they know that's on dialysis. This actually comes up more often than I would have thought, but it does come up. So there's definitely other ways to get a transplant well before the average wait time. Well,
1: and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, people were very critical of Natalie Cole. Oh, she was a celebrity. She got a kidney before everybody else, yada, yada, yada. And I heard that one of the people that cared for her, one of the nurses that cared for her, one of their family members died uh, unexpectedly, and they directed a kidney donation to Natalie Cole. So, uh, and you also hear about in church congregations that somebody needs a kidney and they're like, okay, everybody, we're going to direct a kidney donation to the person in need. And I I think as more and more people become aware of that, I think we're going to see more and more people direct kidney donations to uh, people they know or somebody that they've heard of.
0: That's right. We see that pretty commonly these days.
1: Well, and that, and, and you know, because we're on the topic of um, preemptive kidney transplant and living donation, I just want to s- just press upon you know s- somebody donates a kidney, and I actually know of a scenario, and this they were they donated in the early '80s, and by standards today, they probably should have never donated. And they wouldn't have been a donor in today's standards because there's so much testing for living donors. But if you donate a kidney and your actual kidney fails, you go to the top of the list, right? <laughs> so you get a kidney right away.
0: You you go uh, pretty high up on the list. Uh, I don't know about being right away, but it's pretty a uh, pretty short wait, as it should be, for our donors who went out of their way to help someone out, whether it be 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But you're right, there is that rule, the provision, uh, in allocation that a prior uh, kidney donor gets priority.
1: The health outcomes of living donors are are pretty high because they're screened so um, thoroughly that I know in my case, one of my living donors that came through forward, they found out some health issues that he wasn't aware of. Um, Do you find that often with living donors that come forward? You're like, "Uh uh-oh, you got a health issue.
0: So like you mentioned, in general, uh, Kidney donors are, are pretty healthy and they get a lot of screening. But uh, you're right. We, From time to time, we see things that aren't supposed to be seen at certain age groups or certain situations. And if it wasn't for that person trying to help someone else and be a donor, they never would have found out about their medical issues, whether it be like a pre-cancer or early stage cancer that would have been a major, major issue five, eight, ten years down the road. They never would have found out had it not been for them trying to help someone else.
1: It is. It's um. It's pretty amazing when you go to help someone else. You always get rewarded in some way or another. So, well, thank you very much, Doctor Viakana, for sharing um, valuable information on preemptive kidney transplantation. Uh, you know, it's important to advocate for yourself. And unfortunately, kidney function doesn't often reverse itself <laughs> and uh, you, you know eventually unfortunately it, for now I know unfortunately it doesn't um, and you know as proactive as you can be uh, the better off you'll be so thank you very much and uh, I look forward to talking again
0: thank you very much thanks for listening to Kidney Talk a program of Renal Support Network please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own healthcare provider regarding your medical condition.